Welcome to the Food and Drink Business Podcast. Your on-the-go bite of the food and beverage industry. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Food and Drink Business Podcast. My name is Grant McCarran, and uh, this episode, we're going to be talking about sustainable development goals. And as ever, I'm joined by Kim Berry, the editor of Food and Drink Business. Kim, how are you doing today? I'm very well, Grant. And yourself? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Now, Kim, we're joined by a rather wonderful person who's going to talk to us about these uh, sustainable development goals. Can you please do the honours of introducing her? Yes. So today uh, we're going to be talking with Sharon Natoli. She's an author, a speaker, and a huge advocate for the UN Sustainable Development Goals. She wrote a book in 2018 called Food for a Better Future, and she's really a huge advocate for the role that our sector plays in terms of building a renewable world in that the food that we eat and how it's made and how it's processed and manufactured are done in a way that is mindful of the world in which we live. So she's also done a really fascinating piece of research where she has looked at our top 100 food and drink companies from 2019 and mapped them against the UN Sustainable Development Goals. So we're going to touch on all of that today. (laughs) Hi, Sharon. Hi, Kim, and hi, Grant. Thanks for having me today. Absolute pleasure. So let's, I know I've just given a bit of a brief overview, but tell us a little bit about you. Yes, thanks, Kim. I'm glad that you mentioned I'm an advocate for the Sustainable Development Goals. So, like, I am passionate about that. But but specifically, you know, I've been working with the food sector for the past 30 years now and uh, my background is in food and nutrition specifically and looking at, I guess, how we can help people to live uh, better and, and improve their health through the food that they eat and then translating that through to what that means for businesses and helping them to develop healthier foods. And now more recently, I guess, expanding that out and thinking, well, the way that consumers define what's healthy continues to change and evolve. And over time, now we're looking at, you know, not just the nutritional parts of food, but also the environmental, the sustainability parts of food and I think for businesses now we've got to be I guess a lot smarter we've got to think about a lot more things we've got to be you know more uh, better communicators uh, you know more inspiring leaders we've got to do all of those things and so I'm passionate about I guess the role that the food sector can play in creating a better world but also doing that in a way that's good for business so bringing those two three or multiple things together it's a much more sophisticated way, isn't it, than even even five or ten years ago where there was sort of some notion of, well, we'll just do this report and maybe we'll just sponsor this little project in a, you know, in a local community or in one city or to what you've just talked about, which is this incredibly comprehensive and pervasive consciousness, I guess, about the responsibility that I mean, it's not just food and beverage, but obviously that's our, that's our, you know, that's our shtick. So that's what we're talking about. But it is, it's a really interesting development. And I think, um, and that's sort of, I guess, where the UN's sustainable development goals started from. Would that be fair to say? 
Yeah, I think there is a responsibility. I also see this as a huge opportunity and I think we'll touch on that today in terms of what it means for companies to be able to link in their strategy and their communications into something like the Sustainable Development Goals. But, yes, they did start, I guess, from looking at the fact that, you know, we know that the world is currently using about 1.7 times the resources that we have available right now and so that if we keep on doing that, eventually we're going to run out of, of resources, we'll run out of land, we'll run out of water, we'll run out of the things that we need to grow food. And, of course, food is both a contributor to the state of our environment, to the climate, uh, is a huge uh, user of resources, of course, like water, uh, land and, and so on, but is also a victim of things like climate change. And so there's a, a merging, I guess, of what's responsible, but also what do we need to do to create a resilient sector? You know, what do we need to do to make sure that we are around in another 10, 20, 30, 50, you know, odd years uh, in a way that creates, continues to create that return on investment and also provides the food that we need to feed a growing population. So, you know, that idea of getting more from less has never been more important than it is today and will continue to be. Um, and so when when were these developed? Yeah, so the, the UN developed the Sustainable Development Goals as part of an agenda for sustainable development back in 2015, which is 2015 was when they were signed by 193 UN member states, and that in itself is a massive achievement to get that those that number of signatures, that that level of agreement to targets <laughs> to develop a more sustainable world. Wow, well, uh, sure there's course, a lot of environmental scientists out there that are very jealous. That <laughs> <laughs> that in the Paris Climate Agreement, you know, around that time, uh, significant um, commitments that obviously not only the food and beverage sector made, but, you know, or governments, governments, sorry, more so, uh, signed up to. But um, uh, so, so governments are very much on board with it and the actual achievement of them very much relies on involvement of the private sector and communities and individuals. You know, it's, it's a whole collaborative, um, I guess, responsibility. What are some of them? Like, what are some of the goals? I mean, I, I'm presuming they're very comprehensive from everything from water usage through to end product nutritional levels. But is that right? Yes. So there's 17, there's 17 sustainable development goals. And the way I look at it is 16 of them tell us what to do. And then one of them tells us how. So the the kind of what to do is or what we're aiming for. So goal number one is no poverty, for example. Um, but if I pick out some of the ones that are most, well, they all have some kind of application to the food and beverage sector in some way. But I guess the most obvious ones might be things like goal number two, which is zero hunger. Goal number three, which is good health and well-being. Goal number 12, which is responsible consumption and production, and 13, climate action, 14, life below water, 15, life on land. And then to mention 17, which is the how, uh, that's the way I see it, is partnerships for the goals. 
because really to get there, to be able to bring them to fruition, we have to be working together. And we just hear that all the time about collaboration, uh, connecting with each other across sectors, across industries, within our companies, you know, getting out of our silos, working together, even within, from, from within business to across businesses to across sectors is, is the way to achieve them. Are you seeing that happening at all? You know, this sort of, this is one of the criticisms of of these sorts of strategies is that to then actually, the goals are very noble, everyone would agree with them, but then to actually get the, the rubber on the road and see results from it, is that happening or are people paying a lot of lip service? Yeah, look, I'm probably not in a position to to provide a uh, a really insightful um, view of that, other than I guess from my perspective. And um, I think it's one some of the encouraging things that we're starting to see is is larger food businesses working together with smaller innovators. So, for example, you know we we had the Mars Seeds of Change Accelerator program happening, which was learning from each other, a large company learning from startups and and really working together that they're good examples of this happening and you know investors investing in startups and and bringing in knowledge and sharing knowledge uh, so I, th- I think there are examples of this and and I do feel as though government and industry I guess it depends on the particular states and things but there are some examples of working more closely together now to achieve some of these these bigger goals. So let's look at the research that you've just done looking at Australia's top 100 food and beverage companies. What was your process in, in terms of looking at those companies against the SDGs? Yes, so just to say uh, and acknowledge um, the sustainability researcher who was an intern with us who did a lot of the hack work for this, whose name is Peter Pahorali, um, who was from the University of uh, Arizona or Arizona State University, I should say. So just acknowledging his input into this. But what we did is, uh, it's a snapshot um, and I would say that as well. So what we did is look at the top 100 and go to their websites and look at whether they were reporting on sustainability and then specifically whether they were mentioning the Sustainable Development Goals and reporting against the Sustainable Development Goals. So it was a bit of a process to go through all 100 uh, and to search for the right information. And uh, given that things do change pretty quickly, it's, it's also acknowledging that this research was done in August and so companies may have changed their reporting or things may be updated and so it's a, it's a snapshot and really that's what we were trying to do is just to kind of get an idea of how aware or how important are the sustainable development goals to the top 100 food and beverage companies at this point in time. Uh, and this is important too given that we sort of, I guess it, you mentioned this before, is that it's all right to have targets, but how well are we tracking to achieving them? And now that we've entered 2020, the UN has set 2020 to 2030 as the decade of action. So it's all about action. The sustainable development goals give us the targets. You know, what I think we can do as an industry is really look at, well, how can we take action? So we had different categories as we went through the websites and we 
we, we gave different codes to the companies depending on whether they there was no mention of sustainability at all, so they kind of got a zero score, um, whether they mentioned sustainability in a general sense, whether they had a, a committed sustainability page or section on their website, whether they just mentioned the UN Sustainable Development Goals and then the top ones were those who mentioned the UN Sustainable Development Goals and also indicated that they were reporting against them, so linking their own strategies, targets, commitments to the Sustainable Development Goals. Okay, and who who were those ones? We're all waiting to find out, aren't we? Yeah, the, so <laughs> the real question. Who were the gold star one? That's it. So luckily, um, you know, when when there's a top 100, it's easy to work out the percentages. So um, <laughs> there were 18 companies, which equals 18%, um, that linked their sustainability initiatives to the UN Sustainable Development Goals. And they that was, was a mix of those who mentioned specific goals and also just mentioned the UN Sustainable Development Goals, so demonstrated that they had a, a consciousness and awareness of them. Uh, so some of those companies, or maybe I thought it were, um, you know, some of the, the, the kind of bigger ones where I guess you would expect because they've got the resources uh, to be able to, I guess, put into this. But having said that, I think, you know, we have seen um, startups, uh, smaller businesses mentioning the UN Sustainable Development Goals in their strategy and in their communications. And so size doesn't actually really matter. I think it's it's the consciousness that we have. And sometimes those smaller companies can be incredibly nimble and and if they're just starting, if they're starting off on that footing in terms of these, okay, these are the SDGs, this is what we're going to do as opposed to already being in a state of operating and then sort of having to reverse apply them to, you know, then change your business around. So I know that for food and drink business, we see some really interesting dynamic small companies um, you know, coming coming across our line of sight so often and it's really encouraging. Yeah. Having said that also though, I, I, I think for any business and, and hopefully this kind of message comes through today too is that it's actually probably not that difficult to link your current initiatives to a sustainable development goal somewhere along the line because we know, for example, that most companies, I think, um, there was some research to suggest 98% of food and drink companies have some kind of initiative or commitment, for example, around reformulation or improving the health or nutritional value of their products. And even if you're doing that, there's a link there with improving, you know, good health and well-being or responsible consumption and production. And so it's probably likely that in many cases you don't actually need to do too much to create that link but what it does do is it helps you with your communication. So as a business, it helps to demonstrate that you're, you have a consciousness about what's happening from a global perspective and that you're linking that down to a local, to local uh, initiatives. And that helps to create with, with your consumers, with your stakeholders, um, you know, if you're looking to attract investment, it helps to really demonstrate that, you're sharing, you're concerned about the same things um, as, you know, many people in the population. And I think, you know, there's always that play where when you get the big end of town acting, let's say when Woolworths and Coles banned plastic bags, uh, that then that filters down through then the SMEs and, and into the sort of 
the community psyche about, oh, right, okay, well, this is what we do now and this is, and there's always a bit of pushback, but generally, by and large, people go, oh, no, I see. I see why that's important. And so I, I suspect that if some of the big companies are starting to pin their sustainability and, and other initiatives around health, you know, food standards and food security and integrity to the SDGs, it's going to become a lot more, it's going to become more of an action point uh, rather than a statement. Yes. Yeah. I think that's a real, that's really a really good point because consumers are looking for food and beverage companies to help them live a healthier life. And so if that's the case, it's about leading people in that direction and not just waiting to be told, oh, you you should, you know, report against the SDG or, you know, it's it's the right thing to do, so do it. You know, I think I think how you know it's it's so much nicer if you if the horse just walks to the water, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, that's it, and I think that, and I, and there is a, there is that real opportunity to um, to be to be leading by doing this. Given given that only eighteen percent of the top one hundred are actually acknowledging the UN SDGs, um, and there's there's an opportunity to demonstrate leadership in this area and to to use that to your advantage, and not not just in terms of contributing to actually you know making creating a better world, a more sustainable world from a a responsibility perspective, but actually uh, communicating that through and creating that shared value. Who are some of the companies that were really comprehensively reporting or drawing on those SDG, um, the SDG framework? So probably no surprises, some of the bigger companies are doing a great job like Nestle and Mondelez, companies like Unilever, PepsiCo, Coca-Cola, and also Mars. But also Treasury Wine Estates are doing a great job in terms of reporting on their website and Bega as well do a really good job, nice and clear in terms of that direct link between their commitments, what they're doing and how that connects in with the sustainable development goals. Diageo also doing a really good job and other examples would be Sunrise, A2, uh, Fonterra, Lion, JBS, Wilma Sugar, they're all mentioning the UN Sustainable Development Goals. But some of the earlier ones, in particular, I would probably highlight Treasury Wine Estates is doing like a, just a really clear job and also the way they communicate. It's clear that their commitment to sustainability comes through right, is, is right sitting right at the core of their business. And I would say the same for Beaker. Uh, you can tell by the way that their reporting is written, the words they use. And it's, it's, it, it comes across as being much more integrated into their strategy. And I think that would be one of the pointers perhaps out of this is that you can, you can, as I mentioned before, you can kind of link what you're doing to the sustainable development goals. That would be just a starting point. But if you can really integrate it into the purpose of your business, then that makes a lot of sense and also creates a more, I guess, authentic style of communication that's more believable and of course that's also part of this as well that the sustainable development goals provide something to me that makes sense as being a way to adopt purpose into your business and we know purpose is really important um, and you know we can have a lot of different purposes 
But if you're a food and drink company that relies on food that uses natural resources, it makes sense to have a purpose that's linked to sustainable development. Absolutely. What you're talking about there about that authenticity, which is a word that just gets thrown around so much, but it's really true. You can tell. That it's like the sniff test. You know, you can tell when a company is just playing lip service to, oh, yes, you know, we, we do this, um, compared to a company that is, this is one of our core beliefs and this is how it, it, it flows throughout the entire organisation. So that's sort of really exciting to see. I think it's also worth noting that, you know, obviously there's a lot of um, multinationals in that group. And, you know, Treasury Wine Estates does have, you know, businesses a- around the world. But Treasury Wines and, and Bega, they're both companies who are very, they're kind of one step from their natural ingredient, you know, <laughs> that, that their product is based on. So there's a, there's a huge motivation there for them that, where their primary ingredient comes from is sustainable and and the risks of catastrophic climate events and um, and all the other myriad factors that are at play are minimised to ensure the ongoing supply and resources for them to make their product. So um, I think a lot of Australians have a very um, feel very loyal to companies like Bega and would view that would view that as a really you know a little sort of high five of like, yeah, go bigger. <laughs> yes. And I think I think that's really important today. You know, we talk a lot about, uh, you know, pr- price, taste, convenience, right, as the kind of top three drivers of consumers' purchasing decisions. But I think that, you know, that's changing. I know I'm an optimist and I always look on the bright side, but, um, you know, I do believe that that there is this shift, you know, people are using their values to make decisions. And so particularly, I guess, if you have products, you know, you've got cheese or milk or wine or something on the shelf that they may be sitting about the same price, you know, what's going to have you choose they're the same price and this kind of, you, you know, you, you like both of them, what's going to have you choose one over the other? Well, if you know that uh, one's bigger and, and they are doing good things around commitments to sustainable development, well, you're going to choose that one. So it's like that little extra thing that can have a big impact on, I guess, on your bottom line too. And as an influencer that's sitting there in the background of people's minds, but but that also takes us to the point of communicating that through to consumers as well, because a lot of these things you know, a lot of a lot of what we found uh, in the sustainability area, of course, sits in the CSR corporate social responsibility <laughs> sections. You know, areas of the website, and it's bigger than that. I think it's big, much bigger than that. I think it's, uh, as I say, for those who are really committed to it, it's integrated as part of their strategy. It's part of their purpose. We know purpose and profit are inextricably linked. You can't uh, separate those two now. If you want to be successful in the long run you know, they go together. Uh, and it makes sense to me uh, that sustainable development and we have this roadmap called the Sustainable Development Goals is a great uh, opportunity to kind of link in with something that's global, um, that demonstrates that consciousness that consumers have. Consumer, We know consumer consciousness is growing and so business consciousness needs to grow or is growing to, to match that. Well, it's almost like it's a more sophisticated form of brand identification and and that's not going to there's there will always be people that there will always be consumers that choose price 
over value, over <laughs> anything, flavour, you name it. And there are some that do that because they have no choice and there are some that do it because they have choice. The same thing flows on that you're then going to have consumers who are willing to pay a bit more or they're willing to, you know, not accept a deficit in one area for, for a positive in another for the product that they're going to buy. Yeah, I think that price price has a ceiling. It also has a floor, though, and we've seen we have seen that with the milk, uh, you know, one dollar liter milk. That when things get too low, uh, people start to question, well, who's 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 getting ripped off here? Uh, I'm not prepared to really pay that. And companies that take a stand for that, and uh, you know, I, I think in that case, we probably demonstrate their values, then people that share those values will will align with those companies or those businesses or those retailers. So, you know, that's an important thing too. And I also think as an industry, we tend to, we've perhaps driven that price consciousness and that we have a very price-driven food culture. And ideally, if we can address that and look at well, how can we encourage people to pay the right price for food, acknowledging, as you say, that some people can't afford to, you know, pay high amounts for food. But having said that too, we know there's research by um, it's the University of Queensland, I think, that shows that a healthy shopping basket doesn't actually cost more than an unhealthy shopping basket. And so we just need to be careful that we don't assume that that healthy healthier food is more expensive and that everybody is driven by price and how can we um, create a, a food culture where we pay the right price and we and we kind of bring back the joy around food too yeah that'd be that'd be great <laughs> it was good to see that 61 out of the 100 were actually you know had a dedicated sustainability section on their website uh, that was pretty. That was encouraging. Um, it does, of course, mean that there was still, um, as she frantically tries to do maths, thirty nine percent who didn't. So thirty nine companies who didn't. That's that's quite alarming. Uh, I think this is a really interesting starting point, and for companies that are looking to to try and adapt their sustainability reporting to the SDGs, is that a big undertaking, or is it a relatively straightforward process for them? Look, I think there's a relatively straightforward way to start with this, as we alluded to before, and that is looking at what are your current commitments around sustainability and or improving the health and well-being, the health of your products and uh, any packaging initiatives. You know, what we we found a lot of companies are committed to, you know, recycled packaging and, and initiatives in that area. If you've got anything along those lines, it's looking at which sustainable development goal does that align with and then simply linking that in and indicating that, that that's consistent with helping Australia um, as one of the signatory countries to achieve the intentions of the sustainable development goals or to achieve the targets. And then it's also, and then the next step would be looking at what else could we do. Uh, so we're doing this now, and and I, look, just also to say that many companies report on what they are doing now or what they have done, and the next step over and above that is to say we've got these commitments. This is what we're working towards. We know we're not there yet, so using them as a way to identify other areas that you could also. You could set targets in. And I think we didn't really mention, but just it's a bit of a cascading effect, if I can just say. So we found that 83% 
of the top 100 reference sustainability. So that's so to me that says most companies know that that's important. And then the 61% have the dedicated sustainability section and then that drops down to the 18% that mention the sustainable development goals. So I think that paints a bit of a picture. Yeah. I think this will be... This will be really fascinating next year. <laughs> now we have this as a as as the starting point, and hopefully it will be really exciting to look uh, in twelve months' time about the changes to those numbers and and again, you know, who's who's stepping up because I think it's it's really exciting when they do, regardless of how big they are. It's um it's always really encouraging to to see companies and uh, in the food and beverage space acknowledging the responsibility the industry plays whether you want it to or not you know <laughs> look thank you so much Sharon that was fantastic and it's um it's really good to uh, get some insights into what can sometimes be lofty global speak in terms of what what it means and what people can do with it in a local way. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Kim, Sharon, thanks very much for uh, being on the show once again and uh, very much appreciate your uh, inputs here. Uh, Sharon, that's been very interesting on the whole uh, sustainable development goals, aligning the top 100 and authenticity and so on. This has been an amazing discussion. And uh, as ever, Kim, some amazing questions and uh, observations there. So thank you both for being on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to wrap it here. And our next episode will be out in the not too distant future. And we'll talk to you more then. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Food and Drink Business Podcast, produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of Food and Drink Business, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of Food and Drink Business, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast's audio, please contact us via our website or send an email to editor at foodanddrinkbusiness.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's food and beverage industry at foodanddrinkbusiness.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast.